Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Fake the Nation, episode 321. Hello, hello. This is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about culture, and where we get really sucked into the don't worry darling drama out of the Venice Film Festival. I'm your host, Nagin Farsad. And how could anyone resist this cross-section of celebrity gossip? I am but a simple podcaster. Also, could, like, Harry Styles do any little just regular human thing and it doesn't get a lot of press coverage like it's a really weird life he's living and I'm gonna say I wouldn't quite enjoy it today we're not gonna talk about Harry Styles which I think is gonna disappoint many of you but instead we're gonna talk about this is even sexier the ban of gasoline cars in California what they were in a boy band once we'll dip our toes in the surprisingly warm waters of Alaska and unfortunately Trump still has some stuff that's happening so we gotta look at that we'll also look into the phenomenon of quiet quitting and we'll ask why do rich people like the quiet so much oh today's panel is uh oh just like just two luminaries of the audio world i that's not even that's true that's literally what's happening today uh we are joined by the co-host of the by the book podcast it's a podcast that is currently on my feed I subscribe. You should subscribe. It's super fun. The premise is incredible. Uh, She's also the co-host of the podcast Romance Road Test, which is not yet on my feed, but will be in moments after we stop recording. It is the one and only Kristen Meinzer. Hey, Kristen. Hello, hello. I am so excited to be here today. Oh, so happy to have you. And we're joined by a veteran of Fake the Nation. You have loved her. I mean, she's you've heard her on NPR. You've seen her on multiple TV shows in which her stand-up has been prominently featured because she's so gosh darn funny. Uh, you've seen her in the green room at New York Comedy Club where I see her. And you've had a chat with her over some snacks. And she is going to... Oh, she has a new special out. It's called Plant-Based Jokes on YouTube. You should immediately check that out. She's also going to host the new podcast podcast called Parenting is a Joke, which launches in October. So get your podcast subscribing fingers ready because <laughs> in your earballs will be the one and only Ophira Eisenberg. <laughs> 
Nagin, thank you. Hi. You know what? Now that they've taken the pretzel sticks out of that green room, it's not as great. Ah, uh, but you know, they have like um, oat, those oatmeal and cream sandwich cookies. You know I what I'm know. talking about? Yeah, I have and a bunch a, of them in my fridge. It's a fucking nightmare every time I go there because all I want to do is eat. They have all, so many old school snacks. It's incredible. Shout out New York Comedy Club. They do their snacks right. Thank also, you for snacks. Um, Ophira, uh, the fun thing about Ophira being on the show today is that she almost sent her child to school today because <laughs> of a of, because I was texting because my child went to school today, but we have different start days. So and then I and then Ophira took a, a couple days to be like, he's actually not starting today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So a uh, fake the nation awakening. almost got in the way of your child's <laughs> education in a weird way. Yeah, I would have been really messed up. So I appreciate it very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get into the actual show, I just want to remind you guys that Patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad has for you many bonus episodes of Fake the Nation. We just talk about a bunch of juicy stuff. This week we talk about a crazy, a crazy like... Uh, no, this was the last episode was a crazy trend where people on all fours, like walking around on all fours to get generally ripped. Uh, it's a phenomenon. We talk about it on this uh, on that episode. We also talk about um, this new data that shows that you shouldn't drink before you're 40. But then after 40, you should definitely drink. What? Woo-hoo! We talk all about it. Too late for one and ready for the other. Yeah. Exa- right. So um, there's so many uh, fun things we talk about. So go to patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad for as little as $4 a month. You can just support your favorite podcast. I'm going to be presumptuous and just say that again. Support your favorite podcast. Okay. Let's get into it with topic number one. Last week, California banned the sale of new gasoline cars after 2035. Pew, 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 pew. I love this news. Um, I mean, let this begin the farewell party to the internal combustion engine. Fuck that engine, I say. Uh, electric cars are obviously the future. California has done this kind of thing before. They're like, you know, we're going to do a huge environmental thing. And our state is so big that the industry has no cho- choice but to follow. And then a bunch of states follow. And it's just really exciting. And this is how change happens. Um, I don't mean to just like, <laughs> there's nothing about this podcast that is... Um, like journalism. <laughs> so I just, if, I just, I just like gave you my enthusiasm. And now what are you going to say about it? Uh, Kristen, you've, we've never heard from you before. Let's hear it. I am so pumped about this. This is so long overdue. Oh my God. I said pumped, like at the gas she station. Said but oh, no gas is God. coming out of that pump. No, sir. Yeah, that, that word's going to go that away. Pump. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> But this is so long overdue. I remember as a little kid, I was telling my niece and nephew about this. I'm like, you don't remember acid rain or the hole in the ozone layer. And when I was growing up, we also had existential dread about the environment. This is something that we we wanted to happen back then. And it's, it's, it's so long overdue, but we do need the infrastructure for it. We need that infrastructure so that there are actually places to plug in your car. We need to be able to source the cobalt and the other materials that go into these electric engines. We do need to work on the infrastructure, but maybe the only way they're going to finally get this infrastructure really going across the country is to ban uh, gasoline cars. And I'm fine with it. Let's do it. They have 13 years to figure out that infrastructure. By the way, they added solar panels to my parents' house in like a day. So come on. We can, I mean, it's the same, right? Just, <laughs> um, But nationally, it's just exactly the same as what happened to my parents' house. Ophira, what do you think? Well, just to be clear, cobalt, we get that from uh, space. Is that where we harvest cobalt? <laughs> <laughs> Is it is it the thing that Superman does he make it yeah, with yeah, his yeah. butt? That's right. That's right. Do I I think if I know a lot about it. kryptonite uh, real hard. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a I no, this is great optimism. Total I mean one thinking forward, don't you like just the idea that California still exists in 2035? I think oh, that's that optimistic. Is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, my it's home not, state, yeah. <laughs> It hasn't burned down yet. Thank you, thank you, Ophira, for that (laughs) 
leak <laughs> assessment right off the top. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that, I mean, that was really because I think I, I read that article right following, you know, people talking about the extreme heat and the wildfires. And I was like, hey, 2035, we're looking ahead. 13 years. <laughs> going to be great. No, but I mean, of all, yeah, because of all places, California ne- really needs to get their shit together. They got all these fucking fires and heat waves. Literally, as we tape, our our um, our fearless sound engineer is in the middle of a of a heat wave. So it's uh it's it's real over there. I also want to point out um, that just a little kick in the butt for the midterms here is that there could be and for the and for the uh, future presidential races um a future president might fight for f- the full implementation of these rules which is crazy they like states rights in some cases but not others that doesn't make sense it's so weird that sometimes the gop doesn't make sense and then um also a group of attorneys generals from republican states have filed a lawsuit challenging california's ability to set its own uh pollution rules which is funny because they do want to set their own pollution rules when it comes to polluting but they don't want to they don't want to let california set their pollution rules when it comes to not polluting it's this fun. is the whole push it's and so pull fun. right like no government intervention except this except, way except <laughs> yeah exactly um but i also want to uh, just show the harmonious nature between what california is doing and what biden did we i already uh, big up to the inflation reduction bill um but the cli- but which is a climate bill called inflation um it's uh, it includes seven thousand five hundred dollars in rebates for people who purchase new electric vehicles. So there's a little harmony there, um, and uh, and the automakers will have to assemble their vehicles in North America, which is like a basically a jobs bill Whoa. also. And the source batteries from friendly countries to qualify for the full credit, which is a like let's not have conflict battery materials, I guess thing. Uh, or, and but I just want to also point out to the Republican lawmakers that are considering suing the state of California. General Motors, um, you know, an American company, right? General Motors. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is already in line with them trying to only sell electric by 2035. There's a bunch of car makers who are like, yeah, we've been expecting this. This sounds fine. And then there's these like lawmakers that are like no let's sue california like no guys the industry is already on board what who cares why why go through this well, they know so they won't have a right. job in 2035, so they're just trying to get as much bang yeah. out of their, yeah, uh, yeah, true, their true, true, reducing true. tenure as they can. So here's an, uh, another piece of like political news um, from from the week. Uh, Sarah Palin lost the congressional special election in Alaska. It was ranked choice voting. Um, so she the, the seat went to Mary Peltola, who's not only the first native Alaskan elected, but she's also a Democrat who won in a really red state. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Kristen? <laughs> well, I, I, I don't think she was ever qualified to work in any branch of government, <laughs> exactly. first of all. I, I think we all know this about her. No matter what she has done or magically been elected to, she was never qualified or capable or particularly interested in doing the job well. So um, surprise, of course, you know, people may be catching on to this. But I do think there are folks out there who are maybe overstating how significant this is for Republicans. There are folks out there like, wow, she lost. Then you know what? You know, if if Trump runs again, he's going to lose, too. And I'm like, no. No, let's not overstate things. No one, no one's sitting on their cobalts or whatever the expression <laughs> is. Okay, like we, yeah, like everyone, like I think be, um, you know, optimistic but scared. I think is also <laughs> it's like kind of like how I sort of live my life. It's like a nice fear and optimism brew that always gets me to the polls um but also has me thinking good thoughts so i think that's you know i think that's right Kristen. that like just because a special election turned out this one way which by the way results have to be redone in november uh does not mean that this is you know this spells our future what do you think ophira Well, I actually was, you know, my first thought was also like, great, but also like, what did Sarah Palin ever do for (laughs) Alaska? Alaska. She did quit the governorship early. Remember that was. Yeah, I know. One of the few wins. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I guess I mean this is yeah. So basically, in this in this case, th the people decided. Um, I would love to know what the voter turnout was like, but that's just a whole other thing. Because I was like, maybe just few pe few more people actually went out and voted. Uh, so that would be great if that was the case too. But yeah, I was like, yeah, finally, finally, maybe we can like, I don't know, let's, let's everyone just look at some qualifications, look at what people have done and vote based on that. Yeah. Instead of this you know, blind they, idea of like what they metaphorically represent. Uh, but she's so know. pretty, Ophira. Isn't I that know. enough? <laughs> I know with those, those glasses. Those no, glasses. no, no. She's so folksy. And you can have a beer with her. Uh, so there's that. Um, <laughs> but the, you know, the interesting thing about this, because it was very, so there's this other guy running as a conservative. His name is uh, Nick Begich. And, and Begich, um, so what happened with ranked choice voting, which was really interesting in this situation, was that there are a bunch of people that ranked him first. And then they ranked second not Sarah Palin. So they're, they're <laughs> Is that the name of the candidate? That was the name of the candidate. <laughs> that essentially, right? They were like, so 29% of people. So, and that's very unusual, right? Usually what happens is that you'll have like a conservative and then a conservative. Uh, and so they were actually not concerned that there was another candidate running on the conservative line because they just figured it would be a lock between the two of them uh, because the second choice would be a conservative. And in this case, case the second Sarah Palin was such a weak candidate that the second choice was not even um her for the people who voted for Nick Begich who was who was who who was um X'd out after the first round and then all of his second choices were allocated so that's basically what gave the win it was like conservatives that were like we would rather a democrat in office than a Trumpy Republican named Sarah Palin, right? So, so I thought I that was fascinating. I would run on that alone. I would run on that yeah, statement yeah, yeah, alone. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, Alaska. <laughs> 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 you took your um, most hated thing. And you put it above Sarah Palin. <laughs> yeah, which is good. And, and, and like, how exciting that a f that the first native Alaskan is going to be in Congress. Like, that's very exciting, I think, as well. I like also that Sarah Palin was like, I wish he would just get out of the race because, like, winners should take all. And uh, But he uh, said, uh, even on my own ballot, I voted for myself first and Sarah second. Like, he totally was cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> whether yeah, whether yeah, everyone's yeah. telling the truth, because who knows. But. She, yeah, she wasn't telling people to vote for him second. So she no. wasn't playing nice. And it was really actually dumb, ultimately. People probably also didn't like that. Like, it's like not, you know, gamesmanshipy or whatever. All right. And then the final piece of, like, um, political stuff that we wanted to deal with it's like kind of an annoying one. Um, it's the, the the a judge granted Trump's request for a special master to review documents seized by the FBI from Mar-a-Lago last month. And you guys remember the seizure of those documents and how everybody mm, fucking lost beautiful. their shit. Well, uh, the and I know everyone's like, what's a special master? I mean, great question. It's like a lawyer that's going <laughs> to an independent third party that's going to look into these documents and determine whether any of it's um protected under attorney client privilege and 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 they're you know again uh, they're supposed to be independent i don't know i found this news pretty um annoying because it just well i don't know what I, what i thought ophira what did you think of this news i mean i just thought it was just another way to put you know a little mud on the path slow things yeah. down i mean i can yeah. just see a team of people um, advising Trump and his people being like, what, what, anything, any ideas, anyone, any ideas, right, yeah, like yeah, yeah, someone yeah, reaching yeah. deep into a book and like special master. And they're like, is that Harry Potter? Is that real? And, uh, <laughs> cause I've never heard this term. I've never heard this term. Like I've never, course. I thought, cause it's a, it's a kind of term you use a lot, like in, um, sort of like video file delivery. <laughs> like when you're talking about like something that's supposed to be broadcast, yes. you know, or something like, You'll hold on to the special master copy of the thing. Um, Kristen, who is your special master? And <laughs> you know who my special master is not is U.S. District Judge Eileen Cannon, who made the decision that Ooh. a special master would be okay. She's, she's like, yeah. She's not mine either. Yeah, Trump, yeah, yeah, you, you want a special master? Either. You can have that. And guess who was the president 
who actually appointed U.S. District Judge Eileen Cannon. That would have been Donald mm. Trump. So oh, right. I, I'm like, yeah. this is not surprising. But also, you don't get to be my special master now, Judge Eileen Cannon, because of this nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She no. was in the running to be your special master. She That's never like was. My... I There are some judges <laughs> I, I do love out there. I, I, I certainly do. I used to love Judge Judy. But like, no, Th- this particular judge... She's not my special master. No. And I just want to know, like, is that kind of an add-on, like you become an attorney and then is it like, you know, for 35 bucks, we'll send you a stamp, <laughs> kind of like a notary, <laughs> you get to add it on? <laughs> that's, that's correct. And okay. again, like I said, this full, this show is just chock full of journalism. So thank you for yeah, bringing that me. in. Someone Ophira. will tell me. I, I can do um, some Googling, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? Let's take a quick break so we can hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, we'll continue on. I am the type of person that has subscribed to things, and I have forgotten about those things. I have paid twice for a children's educational app. And I didn't know that I was paying twice for several months. Until that is, I discovered Rocket Money. And because I use Rocket Money, it just showed up all these things. The thing that I was paying twice for that made me incredibly angry. Thank God Rocket Money ended that for me. It also cancels the subscription for you. So you don't have to like go through the hassle of going to that site and figuring out how to cancel. They actually make canceling very difficult. I don't know if any of you have had the experience, but I have been on a like a roundabout eight exit nightmare trying to unsubscribe to something before. Rocket money eliminates that hassle. It also alerts you to an increase in subscription price. And this is something Rocket Money did for me. It negotiates a lower price for something you already subscribe to. So like for my cable bill, it got me a lower price. And I was very happy about that. Nearly 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about, which makes me feel better because I'm one of them. But it makes me feel terrible because what are we doing? Losing that money. Uh, I don't want to waste that money. And I know you don't want to waste that money. If you struggle with these kinds of purchases, if you struggle with finances in general, Rocket Money will help you with the budgeting, help you track your expenses, help you, like I said, cancel those unwanted subscription. It's a personal finance app that finds and cancels unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps you lower your bills so you can get back to saving. I mean, me and my husband have been on the warpath and Rocket Money has been a really big part of that. It has over 5 million users with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. The average member has saved up to $740 a year using the app's features, which is, I mean, that tracks for me. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions. Go to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Save the money at rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And we are back. And before we get into topic number two, I just want to let people know that I'm going to be performing my new hour at the Battery in San Francisco. Now, this is just like a members-only situation in San Francisco. Um, But if you are in the Bay Area and you would like to come see me on September 27th at the Battery uh, in San Francisco... Please hit me up because we have a handful of tickets um, that are reserved for Fake the Nation listeners. Um, We're basically holding on to them until, uh, I want to say, a week before the showtime. And then I will email you and let you know if you are one of the chosen um, to get a free ticket. So email me. um, I'll just pull your names out of a hat or whatever. And um, and I get I mean, maybe it doesn't make sense for it to be a person in their plus one because, yeah, who wants, you know, 
Yeah, that probably makes sense. A person, you and your plus one or whatever. So email me, uh, or you can come on your own Z's. Comedy is fun either way; it doesn't matter. Um, but just you can email. You can email us at at um, fake the nation at headgum.com. You can email me through my website nagineforsad.com. You can DM me on Instagram. I mean, people reach out in every sort of way. So um, feel free to do that. Uh, now let us get into topic number two. So we've been reading about the phenomenon of quiet quitting, which is basically deciding not to go above and beyond for a job. And instead of it's just kind of phoning it in, um, just doing sort of the bare minimum before uh, getting fired. I mean, that's kind of how I read between the lines. I think the formal definition is just like doing what is merited by your pay. Um, I guess before we get into it, uh, what, have you heard of this term? Has this been a part of either of your lives? I've only heard it recently from actually reading an, another um, newsletter I subscribe to that just like is like, here's what's happening in the world. And there it was, quite quitting. But the definition it threw out was not about slacking off or kind of just doing what you're asked. It was about setting boundaries, Nikki. Right. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm <laughs> in the you. same boat yeah. as you, Ophira. I... I, I didn't know this either until maybe about a month ago. I didn't know this term at all. And then when yeah, I read it, suddenly it yeah, swept the internet. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, I think this is called having boundaries. I, so I don't actually like the terminology at all because it's like, you're not being a quitter. You're just doing what's required and you're not, you know, on your phone at three in the morning trying to, you know, right. do expense reports for your boss or respond to emails on the weekends. And maybe that's just called having boundaries. That's I, I right. don't consider that quitting at all. Though The fact that the word quitting is in here kind of bugs me, honestly. Yeah, it bugs me too because it makes it f- seem like you're being lazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I do, I'm going to sound like a million years old because I, I feel like the work ethic I was raised with is a little bit different than people that are 10 years younger than me when I work with them. And I've been frustrated by it because I have the like, I'll do whatever it takes. <laughs> and then I see people that were raised with a different generation of values and they're like, no, I know what I need. And I'm always like, how, how dare you know what you need? Uh, but if I also think... I'll, like coming out of the pandemic where everyone was like, oh, a life, if you were lucky enough to have health and um, and to, you know, actually just be yeah. able to have any moment to reflect upon uh, what, what things were going on, that people want a life. They want, they want time for hobbies and friends and I don't know, their mental health. And I don't think it's a bad thing. Maybe it's just, maybe it's just European people. Maybe we just want a European <laughs> lifestyle maybe that we've we all just been wanna, talking I know, about. Uh, and then what, so the interesting thing is there's, there's kind of a slightly more noble origins. I think that part of what happens when we, when we put these things in the American context is that like, hey, we live, uh, lead a life of leisure and we want more of it. Um, it's kind of how it feels a little bit because the origins of the term are out of like a, um, a Chinese um, passive resistance movement um, because there were, uh, that loosely translates to lying flat. Um, it's called the Tang Ping movement, and that translates to lying flat, and that gained ground in China and some other countries in which I think the level of, um, what's the word, like work persecution was much more intense than what we have here. Right. So I think that part of what I don't like about quiet quitting is that it all, it, it, it might give permission to like, like a 25 year old to set boundaries that are like super, okay. And then this is making me sound so, un- no, this is making me sound like the fucking child of immigrants because in fear I feel like maybe we had the same parents, like, I, the work ethic with which I was raised was just like, never sit down, never relax, and never be comfortable. That's basically <laughs> like... Yeah, and never you know say no. I mean? Someone asks something of you, you never say no. You better deliver yeah, twice no, on that. never. I, I was brought up the same way. I, I don't know if yeah. it's a Minnesota... I'm from Minnesota. It might be a Minnesota thing, though. <laughs> Just like, like, what can I do to make your life easier? Of course I'm going to jump twice as high, and I, of course I will do this thing. Yeah. and But I, I do think that some of this is actually just a return to life before cell phones, too. 
Um, oh, right. Oh, that's that nostalgia. right. So, so I think a lot yeah. of this is like all three of us were brought up in such a way of like, of course, we bust our asses as much as possible. We make ourselves indispensable. We want to prove that you cannot live without me at this company, right? Um, right. And and, um, and to stretch ourselves and to grow and to learn, but mostly to work because work is in and of itself its own great thing, right? It's noble, and, yeah. Yes, it's it's its own uh, noble end. But uh, a return to life before cell phones, there was an end at some point in the day to how often right. we had yeah. to like jump through hoops, right? Or, you know, um, so I kind of think quiet quitting – I would like to think a lot of people just don't want to be at their boss's beck and call 24-7, hopefully. Or and the idea totally of like a reasonable. Zoom on the weekend or something yes, like that. Thank yeah. you. And I'm not right. going to name names, but there was somebody who late Friday night uh, reached out to me, um, a, a work-related thing, late on Friday night. And I'm like, you know what? I can write back to this now or I can write back on Tuesday morning. And when I checked my email Tuesday morning – there were emails that came in Sunday and Monday as well. And I'm like, that's too bad. I chose not to respond to that. So maybe I'm a quiet quitter too, even though I hate the term. Well, mm-hmm. I have to say, okay. And I feel like I'm just to point out, I am not against boundary setting, all right, for all of the people that are going to email me. I don't think that people should work crazy hours, and I don't think people that the jobs should be sleepless, and I don't think everything is an emergency and all of that. So, like, I am like a regular person in that way, and I want to have, like, a good and, <laughs> and comfortable life like everybody. I'm not abnormal. But when I talked about this, when I'm, so shout out to my my peeps, um, the co- the coffee crew, um, who w- one of my buddies, Jessica, brought this quiet quitting term to me. Uh, she was basically she's a CEO of a company, and she was just like, look, I also I want excellence from my employees, and that sometimes you know, do you do? There has to be a metric by which you can like, I don't know, get some extra credit. <laughs> <laughs> I still sound like a child of immigrant. No, but there has to be like a it, it. There's also a way where you're like, I don't know, someone puts in the extra effort. And I'm not saying extra time necessarily. I'm saying extra effort that that can be recognized and rewarded. Like, it, it, you know, how do we do excellence? How do we show excellence? <laughs> <laughs> right. So then it's just how I mean, there there's a whole thing about like, just can we reprioritize work? So people are, you know, just really doing an amazing job at a few things that On they have the to job. do that have reasonable deadlines that have support yeah, if yeah. needed. It's just such a huge thing to tackle to be able to go like, n- no. Uh, yeah, everyone can have boundaries and everyone can leave. Let's just say like five. You can like show up at banker's hour. Show up at nine. Leave at five. What if banker's hour still exists? I don't know. And everything's going to get done within that. And we're still going to be competitive in the marketplace. And the time that you're there is going to be amazing. You're going to go for it. Like, I just, I don't know. We're not in that world. So these things I are think conflict. I think Kristen is right. There should be like a, every boss should be able to say, how would I operate before cell phones and like look no, no, I don't I think any of us didn't in, have never worked in a world that didn't have cell phones so I, I but I think it's an it's a terrific question of like would you call your employee at home on a Saturday on the landline to get this particular <laughs> thing done if it if it merits that thing because that's a big deal right calling someone at home on a landline like oh yeah you would really do that I think sparingly I don't know Oh, I'm imagining. I'm imagining being a person in the 90s and being like, you know what? This thing I want is not important enough to use the landline to call my employee and for their little seven-year-old to pick up the phone like, hello? Like that's <laughs> not I, – I think you can – you can use that as a standard by which to operate or something. You know, Kristen's um, pre-cell phone test – which, by the way, yes. was not that long ago for me. I was a late adopter on purpose <gasps> because I didn't want my bosses to call me as much as they called my coworkers. I worked in live daily news at the time, and they were answering phone calls at 3 in the morning. And I'm like, if I don't buy a cell phone, my bosses can't call me. <laughs> I still was working 12 hours a day there. And I'm like, isn't 12 hours a day enough? enough. Do they really need me those other hours when I'm not there? They probably don't. <laughs> 
It's yep. amazing. You were quiet quitting a long time ago. You were quiet before quitting. Before it was cool. Before it was yeah. quiet. Yeah. Before it had, yeah, before, when it was loud. It was kind of yeah. loud. I'm just going to say. I also, I want to say, again, I would like, I would love just to go back to everyone's original thesis which is the fucking title of this thing is terrible. Oh, and yeah, it, it doesn't do anyone any favors because it sound, there's something negative about it as opposed to boundary setting, which is healthy. Like this doesn't sound healthy. It sounds negative. We want employees to like look at something in a healthy way. And I think boundary setting is, is that healthy. When I first heard quiet quitting, I was like, oh, so you just wait to get fired? You take as much yeah, time? You stop showing up for work for weeks at a time until finally exactly. somebody from HR is like, are you okay, Ophira? You haven't yeah, exactly. been here in like three months. Exactly. Like office space. It just exactly yes. what I thought. It's literally Ron Livingston on office space, like just pushing the boundary until he gets fired. Like that's what I thought it really was. So it's we need to rename it. Listeners, uh, hit me up. What are your new names for this th- phenomenon of quiet quitting? Um, and or do you have the problem in your own souls, as I do, of viewing yourself as a workhorse that should be worked 14 hours a day? <laughs> I, I still clearly operate under a no boundaries problem. Uh, all right. Let us move on to topic number three. Okay, so the question we have on all our minds is, why do rich people love quiet? It's a question that, that writer Jotil, I hope I'm pronouncing uh, this name correctly, the writer Zochitl Gonzalez asks in The Atlantic, Gonzalez grew up in the noise-prone streets of New York City only to go to an Ivy League school where she discovered that silence was priced, uh, prized, nay, expected. Uh, from there, Gonzalez draws a connection between silence and gentrification. So I guess, I don't know, what do you, what do you make of, the, of this argument in this piece? I think it's interesting because some of my... Um, uh, Black and Latino friends don't see it as a rich person thing. They see it, frankly, as a white person thing. They have said, why are white people so quiet all the time? And I remember <laughs> I remember Oprah Winfrey even on her show once asked this question. She's like, yeah, one of the things I had to navigate with white spaces is white people are really freaking quiet. They're very quiet. They have an expectation of quiet. There's not any loud, boisterous laughter or joyous hollering just very quiet. And so this is something Oprah was talking about back in the 90s even, um, but framed around race. And I never really thought about it as a rich person thing, um, to be honest with you, until I read this piece. I'm like, oh, rich. Interesting. I thought it was maybe a white person thing. I am not white, by the way, (laughs) but I was uh, raised in a very white part of Minnesota and, and they're pretty quiet, too. But that quiet is confusing because maybe it's just passive aggressive. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Ophira. Yeah, I was thinking about this, too. I mean, I, I am white, but I would just say Jewish-Israeli family and growing up in Calgary where I we were somehow different, if you can believe it, back when I grew up. <laughs> um, our, my, I have a lot of kids, and everyone was loud. My father was very loud. Uh, everyone always talked over each other. So when my friends would come over, they always would say, your place is very loud. Um, just And like that family dinners were very loud. And I, you know, upon thinking about the start of reflection, I was just thinking about the the um, the sort of, I don't know, I'm going to say like Protestant idea of like shoving down emotions and not mm, expressing things. Yes, swallowing and this it up. Whole, that whole thing about you never, you never say not, not like don't rock the boat, not too big, not too large, because that's, that is part of what it is to be, I don't know, a, is that a God-fearing person? I don't even know in that context. I think that's what you just said. There is a more eloquent way of what I was saying about like our Minnesotans actually just passive aggressive like we just don't want to say out loud what needs to be said out loud if we say it out loud that might be rude if we say it loudly that would be rude so let's just kind of tiptoe around things a lot including our own voices um so i i feel like that's very much a specific kind of white protestant minnesota culture and possibly a white protestant culture all over the world yeah yeah Okay, I mean, 
I I have to be honest. There's the racializing of loud and quiet was very. Uh, I'm also not white, okay, but I I found it very uncomfortable because. So, for example, I live in the East Village of New York City. We have a lot of different types of loud groups. Um, <laughs> some of them are fucking very wealthy, and some of them are not at all wealthy, right? And some of them, are like, so some of the louder, there's there's like kind of like your tech bros and your um, your kind of investment banker bros um, and gals and sisters. No, that doesn't work. No, baby. Um, yeah. And uh, and and. And they'll yeah, throw like really loud parties. They'll just be fucking loud. You know what I mean? They'll be, and they're white as fuck. And so I didn't. I was just like, I don't understand. So there was even though she talks about rich people and quiet, it's very racialized the way she talks about it because she contrasts it to her own Puerto Rican upbringing. Right. And so I also think like Italian people can be really loud, and in this country, Italian people are white or they're cons- yeah. you know right they're like at, they're italian but they're at they're considered white um i think i don't know it's one of these things where i just feel like again this, look this piece was beautifully written and it was you know evocative like i i felt like i stepped into all of the spaces she was talking about i stepped into the ivy league campus i stepped into the um the you know the puerto rican day parade all of that stuff it was really beautifully written but i just felt like and I, this is maybe also a part of the thing of like, we we really like to racialize things in a way that sort of also excludes large other minority groups. Like I don't think she's thinking about Iranians, you know, what I mean? like in this <laughs> right. in this piece, right? She's not obviously. Um, she's not thinking about Azerbaijanis. Like she's so it's like where do Southeast Asian people land in this spectrum of loud? And so I, it's like it's just an ah, uh, it just feels so. Not at all. There's so much anecdata I can point to from my own life. Like there was a, a rooftop party that was happening near us. Um, and uh, this was like sometime last summer, actually. And there was these white girls, uh, actually with some a couple of Asian girls and a couple of Indian girls mixed in. <laughs> And they were singing Taylor Swift on this rooftop. I mean, at the top of their lungs, okay? And it was cute. We like were like, this is cute. We're just going to let them do it. And then and then at a certain point, we're like, oh, but now it's like 1130 and they have to stop, you know? And so then like we like went up. They're like, hey, do you guys mind? And they're like, oh, my God, so sorry. And they were like embarrassed and they stopped. It was like literally 25 girls singing um, in their th- and girls. I mean, they were maybe even their 30s. Like I couldn't tell. Uh, and just the idea that <laughs> that white people don't understand joy was one of the like implications in the piece and again i'm not I'm or how to, express the, yeah. how to express it how to express how to express yeah that they yeah that white people don't like understand the joy of like this particular puerto rican who was in a whatever like that seemed crazy to me because i've seen plenty of white people enjoy loud things and express it la- it just felt weird to me and also i also went to an ivy league school that wasn't i didn't like i don't know this just did this did experience of having of of quiet being prized on an ivy league campus or whatever like just wasn't my experience and so that also felt crazy i don't know it's just like my exact uh life was the opposite of this person's uh experience I just want to point out, I think that the author, I, I brought up race here in this conversation because I yeah, was yeah. Echo- the author, I was, yeah. and, and the author is very specifically talking about rich people and tries to, in my opinion, make it about their own racial identity without ever saying race anywhere in this piece, yeah. if that makes sense. So um, the author doesn't well, she, actually- But she does bring up black and brown- a few yeah. times as but, like yeah, that. Yeah, there's sort that, of a conflation of a few different there's things. A conf- yes. well, that's maybe, yeah. And yes. that's maybe my problem with the piece is that she conflates rich wealth with white and then black and brown with like not wealthy or something. I don't know. And, and so that was maybe part of the thing that like also rubbed me the wrong way. 
Yeah. And then if I may add into that, so the Ivy League thing, I did not go to an Ivy League school, everyone. I went to McGill, which you may consider the Ivy League of Canada. Ivy League but, of Canada. Uh, Absolutely. But yeah, I, do. I don't remember anything about being quiet. If anything, I felt like we were all, all of us were being told to shut up every second the of the day yeah. by everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I don't, yeah. I can't, I can't relate to that. I don't imagine that I think what she's saying is totally happened to her, but I just can't imagine it. However, when she's talking about, because uh, she had a, um, endowment and so when she goes to have lunch with uh, a woman who was basically the ben- yeah. a, a benefactor and on she like fifth to, avenue on whatever, fifth avenue yeah. and knew to be quiet and knew to be sort of smaller because she felt that was most appropriate i can understand that but then i thought yeah there's another thing with noise which is age Ooh, age and yeah. you know and you could then go like well now we're talking about a lot of rich white people who are older it, like you can add another thing because i i will say that people are less tolerant to noise as they get older this is just the that's right. how it is mm. are they less tolerant to joy i don't know maybe yeah <laughs> right and i also i also want to add to that wrinkle uh, parenthood, because I don't oh think I don't think I ever really. I'm one of the look. I live in in I live in the middle of loud. I and I love loud, and I don't give a shit. Like I totally, I love hearing parties. Like I love all of that. I just don't mind it. It's just never bothered me. The only time I've actually noticed it is because my baby was sleeping or my toddler was sleeping or whatever. And then I'd be like, fuck, I don't want anything to wake her up just because that would ruin (laughs) my life, you know? And so parenthood has changed my relationship to noise. But like not even that, I mean, like I'm still so much more accepting. And then the other thing is, is like, you know, um... Uh, I there a friend of mine was we were talking about this this phenomenon and a friend of mine was saying that she lives in a building where like a bunch of like you know 25 year old dudes moved in and they were throwing parties and all this stuff and she went up she's 65 and she went up to them and she said hey you guys moved into a quiet building so here's what I think should happen why don't you guys just do all the parting you want until 11 and then go to one of the 75,000 bars <laughs> that are like lining the streets of the Lower East Side, you know? And so she was saying that conversation absolutely worked and you can set your alarm to 11 p.m. because these dudes will all turn off their music and stampede out of the building at exactly 11. Nice. You know and what, it's like what she, a gift Which is beautiful. Them. What a oh, gift. Completely. She's just like removed all of the conflict from the building with one conversation. Uh, and and, and it, supported and it totally the community. Worked. The community is like, it's 11 o'clock. We're about to make some money, everybody. <laughs> and I have to tell you, the Swift heads in, in, our, in the building next door, they, you know, they have parties. They also kind of shut it down early. We have people that have parties on other rooftops near us and they just all kind of shut it down around 10 or 11. I think the other thing is like people love, I think people totally get that we live in New York City, but like they do want some boundaries. Like I don't, you know, I don't, I, you know, I would hate for a boombox to be blaring in front of my window at like, you know, 1.30 in the morning, even though I do, am one of the people that's completely noise tolerant. Uh, so I don't know. Quiet partying. That's a new term, quiet partying. <laughs> quiet... <laughs> Uh, Ophira, you just gave birth to a thousand think pieces. Quiet partying. Which is, by the way, isn't isn't silent disco? Totally. I don't know. Why did silent disco even emerge? Who does anyone know anything about silent disco? Like, why I don't did that know the origins, but I feel like it was because I, I'm just going to make a crazy statement here of why I yes, feel that is not factual. It. Like most of the things out of my mouth, yes, I feel like yes. it was taking place in spaces that were not bars. Like it was basically going into warehouse spaces that were were not you know bars oh, or nightclubs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah. it was a reaction to like noise laws or things in place, so that everyone could still you know, primarily take drugs and dance. That sounds like a much nice. more well thought out answer than my answer, which was just going to be one <laughs> which, word, yeah. drugs. What is your made up answer? <laughs> drug. Just drugs. <laughs> That's it. Drugs. <laughs> drugs and the music I like, okay? The music I like. <laughs> I don't want to listen to your crap. 
I want to listen to my Taylor Swift, but not alone. I don't want to be alone. Those girls singing their Taylor Swift. Yeah. (laughs) By the way, we were at like a family event, and they were doing silent disco for the kids, like the little. And like my daughter was like desperate to try it, so she like threw on the headphones, and she loved it. And so there's like this generation of toddlers that are being, you know, indoctrinated by silent disco. Um, so it's it's uh, cute, and I was kind of like, I don't know if you're into this. Like, this might be our future for when you're a teen. Who knows? Um, who who knows? knows? Well, um, folks, again, this was a beautifully written piece, and um, really not, lovely and, to and, read and smart. Really lovely to read. Like, and so I'm, and so my criticisms of it are not at all like, and and, and the other funny thing is. All of these things are so subjective. Like I'm looking at things from my like ears that just enjoy the noise of the city, like worldview and like not understand, you know, and like my particular college experience that was very noisy and like all of that. So I, it's just also um, what tracks with your experience. So listeners, check out this beautifully written piece. Uh, does it track with your experience? What do you think? And uh, let me know. All right, that is the end of the show. Oh, my God. I would love for the people of Faith Nation to be able to follow you both and all the wonderful things that you do. Kristen, where do they do that? You can find everything about me, all the other shows I host, at kristenmeinzer.com. That's my website. Or you can follow me on Twitter, at Kristen Meinzer. And uh, please uh, subscribe to our shows because there's, I mean, I'm excited about the, the Romance Road Test. Oh, um, yeah. Check and, that uh, show out. It's pretty new. It, it just came out on Audible this summer. And oh on my that God. show, my friend Jolenta and I, who I co-host by the book with, she and I. Who's been on this podcast. Yes, she has. She and I do a different relationship hack with our husbands every episode to see what brings us closer together? We do things Amazing. like assemble flat pack furniture and reenact our first dates <laughs> and uh, other terrible things. And it is a lot of fun. And many people have written in to say, we copied you and we did some of those dates too. And we also oh fought God, or alternatively, that. we also fell in love again. I Aww. love that. I'm going to try, I'm going to, I'm going to start copying uh, episodes of the show myself. That sounds so fun. Ophira, where do they find you? You can go to my website, OphiraEisenberg.com, or you can follow me, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, whatever you got, at Ophira E. And and definitely follow her um, because she posts a bunch of stand-up, and it's so great, and it's so fun. And then when you're done doing that, you should see her perform live because it is a gift to yourself to see Ophira <laughs> Eisenberg do stand-up in your face. It is such a gift. All right, and folks, um, I just want to remind you, if you're in the Bay Area, it, we're, I'm going to be at the Battery um, in San Francisco. Hit me up if you want a ticket um, because we're reserving a handful of tickets for Faith the Nation listeners and would love for you to be a part of it. And also, I wanted to let the people know, um, because of you guys, uh, Faith the Nation has made it to the final round of the People's Choice Podcast Awards. So thank you. We're under Best Asian Hosted and Best Political Podcast. And I'm just so thrilled we made it to this round. I mean, we're up against some, like, real heavy hitters, and it's, like, pretty incredible. So thank you so much to the people of Fake the Nation. But what I would really love to do is thank all the people that make this show a reality. That's our wonderful producer, Andrew McGuire, our fantastic audio engineer, Stephanie Aguilar, who's currently in a heat wave center, your coolest vibes. Um, and everyone at HeadGum who makes the show a possibility. And we're here in the HeadGum Studios today, the he- beautiful HeadGum Studios, um, just having a remarkable time. And uh, we please uh, send us all of your ideas on panelists, on segments, um, on, oh, races to watch because we're going to get back into it because we're ramping up to the fall midterms. And uh, you can do that by emailing us at fakethenation at headgum.com. And we'll be back in your earballs next week. Thank you.